Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Revoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Blog Talk Radio. <laughs> Welcome to the Backyard Poultry with the Chicken Whisperer Radio Show brought to you by Calm Bach Feeds. My name is Andy Schneider, but most know me as the Chicken Whisperer, author of the Chicken Whisperer's Guide to Keeping Chickens, national spokesperson for the USDA Biosecurity for Birds program, and editor-in-chief of Chicken Whisperer magazine. Each week, I welcome experts in their field to share their knowledge about different topics, including backyard poultry, show poultry, heritage poultry, gardening, cooking, and, of course, living a self-sufficient lifestyle. Be sure to visit us online at chickenwhisperer.com, where you can follow us on Twitter, become a fan on Facebook, and subscribe to the totally free digital edition of Chicken Whisperer magazine. Once again, I would like to thank all of you for tuning in today to Backyard Poultry with the Chicken Whisperer, brought to you by Kalmbach Feeds. At Kalmbach Feeds, our layer pellets and crumbles are all natural, antibiotic-free, with no animal byproducts. Formulated just for laying hens, our feed is fortified with essential amino acids and calcium to ensure maximum production of nutritious, tasty, strong-shelled eggs. From our family to yours, feed your hens the way nature intended. Pure, wholesome, goodness. Kalmbach Feeds. Find a dealer at KalmbachFeeds.com. That's K-A-L-M-B-A-C-H, Feeds.com. Or order your layer pellets and crumples today on Amazon.com. Kalmbach Feeds is a proud sponsor of the Chicken Whisperer. The Yard Bird Chicken Plucker takes the hassle out of backyard chicken processing by fully defeathering birds in less than 15 seconds. The compact size makes it easy to transport and easy to store. The one and a half horsepower motor and 20 inch stainless steel tub can handle two eight pound birds at the same time. There are no belts or pulleys to wear out and no adjustments necessary, which makes it virtually maintenance free. For more information about how you can own this must have chicken processing product, visit yardbirdchickenpluckers.com today. That's yardbirdchickenpluckers.com. 
Tasty Grubs by Tasty Worms Nutrition are the original dried black soldier fly larvae made right here in the USA. Tasty Grubs are high in protein and calcium, vital nutrients for laying hens. Customers have reported an increase in shell quality, egg taste, and a reduction in molting time. For a limited time, get a bag of Tasty Grubs 100% free. Simply enter tastyworms.com forward slash whisper into your web browser and add one to your cart today. Save 10% on all other products such as dried mealworms by entering the coupon code whisper at checkout. That's tastyworms.com forward slash whisper. When you need an incubator, think Brincy, the incubation specialists. Brincy has been a world-leading manufacturer of quality incubators for almost 40 years. They manufacture incubators that hold anywhere from 7 to 380 eggs with high-quality electronic and digital controls, including precise humidity controls and programmable egg turning, all at surprisingly affordable prices. Enter the coupon code WHISPER at checkout and receive 10% off your entire order. Order your new incubator today at Brincy.com. That's B-R-I-N-S-E-A.com. Cackle Hatchery is a third-generation, family-owned and operated hatchery. They offer over 193 varieties of poultry shipped directly from their facility in Missouri. It's their mission to enhance your life by providing you with quality poultry for showing, meat, enjoyment, eggs, and pets. They specialize in hatching purebred poultry and shipping day-old chicks right to your local post office since 1936. 4-H and FFA Youth Poultry Clubs get a 10% discount. Check out their website, CackleHatchery.com, for posted weekly specials and discounts. That's CackleHatchery.com. Hi, I'm country music artist Nathan Osmond, and you're listening to Backyard Poultry with the Chicken Whisperer. And the mighty bird against prejudice continues his fight for law and order. So when you hear that cry in the sky, you'll know it's Super Chicken. Alrighty, thank you very much for staying with us today on Backyard Poultry with the Chicken Whisperer, brought to you by Kalmbach Feeds. We have a great show for you today. Of course, we have Dr. Bridget McCray, Ph.D., joining us, and we're really going to discuss um, summer care, including summer nutrition, and uh, it's going to be kind of an open forum. Uh, we have a couple of guests that's also joining um, Dr. McCray and myself today, and they'll have some questions, and it's just going to kind of be like a town hall, I guess you should say. But uh, we're going to start off with really kind of one specific topic, and then maybe around uh, 40 at past the hour, uh, we'll actually um, uh, open it up and kind of open it up to any questions that uh, both of our guests have and that we see a lot. Try to keeping it related to summer, but anything goes when we open it up uh, in the uh, open forum here a little bit later in the show. So without further ado, heading over here to the phone lines, and we will welcome our good friend, long-time special guest, Dr. McRae. Welcome, Doc. Thanks for joining us today. Hi, Andy. How are you doing? We're doing very well. Thanks for joining us today. Great topic, and I hope everybody 
gets a pen and paper out and getting ready to take lots of notes uh, for today's show, like most of them do. But uh, no, thanks for joining us. I'm also going over here, and I'm going to go ahead and bring on um, our next guest. And uh, let's see what we have here. We've got um, uh, area code 209. I'm not sure if this is the uh, the uh, guest out in California or Florida. Who's 209? Tell us who you are. Oh hi, this is this is Cherie. This is Cherie Santisco. Oh. I'm out here in uh, Lodi, California. <laughs> California. All right. I wasn't sure, uh, Cherie, if that was uh, you or if it was Lisa. I know Lisa's going to be calling in here in just a few minutes. She's down in Florida, and so I know oh. it gets pretty hot out in California. I know it definitely gets hot down in uh, Florida. It gets very humid down in Florida as, as well. So uh, that's going to be uh, this. That's why we kind of. Uh, uh, asked y'all to come on as well with uh, your flocks, and uh, both of y'all have a lot of experience. So we'll wait here on the phone lines for uh, Lisa to call in. She'll be here in a minute. And actually, she's calling in right now, so let me go ahead and open it up. We've got over 50 phone lines, but today we're only utilizing four. Lisa, thanks for uh, calling <laughs> us and joining in. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. This is going to be great. So we'll start off, and, and I presented this question uh, to Dr. McRae, because there's a lot of talk about it. Summertime, we all know, uh, or we all probably know, that heat is far more detrimental to our flock than the cold ever will be. And uh, if I remember correctly, all the science that's always shared on the show, chickens will start to pant at about 83 degrees. And uh, we, we kind of know the basics and the ideology of, you know, you know, keeping them cool, how we can do that, cool, fresh water, maybe shade. There's a lot of things we're going to talk about, though, like, for example, oh, shade, you know, keeping them cool, I can deal with that. I've got a great area of shade trees over here. But that may not be the best decision based on biosecurity with all the other birds up in the trees. So you may end up having an open area but using uh, some uh, shade cloth to create shade and then cooling the water down with adding frozen water bottles into your waterer and, and different things like that. So, so we'll get into that, but we, we really started this, and, and I talked with Dr. McRae about this, that uh, we also, for the most part, know that in the summer, chickens will drink more than they eat. And so if your, your backyard flock is getting the majority of their nutrition – uh, those uh, the nutritionally balanced feed we hope you're feeding um, uh, through their feed, and they're obviously not eating as much of that, then do we really need to try to supplement uh, the nutrients they need, they're, they're required to have, uh, by doing water additives, vitamin electrolytes. We hear a lot of that. There's all kinds of those out on the market nowadays, specifically designed for poultry. Uh, and, and that was, uh, I think, a unique question, and it makes Complete sense, knowing the fact that they eat less and drink more. So are they getting the necessarily nutrition? And some people make chi- you know chime off and say, well, you know, we, we provide that, but they also free range. So they're getting the bugs and the grubs and the grass and, and all this stuff. So, so you might feel confident that they are. Uh, but um, we're going to start off with that kind of scenario uh, in the summer if they eat less and drink more. Are they really getting the nutrients they need to be healthy and feed or raise a healthy flock, or do we need to add things? And then we'll kind of go from there and see where the show takes us over the next 45, 50 minutes. So I'll present that to you, Dr. McRae, and then you can take this where it may go. Well, um, first of all, Eddie, can we kind of introduce our guests um, and, and their poultry experience to our listeners? 
Yeah, we can do that. I know a lot of them actually know Lisa, but maybe not Cherie. Hopefully I'm pronouncing that right. And so we'll start with uh, Cherie out in California, because I did say they both have a lot of experience. I guess I, I know their backgrounds, um, but uh, we'll have them uh, uh, share with our audience. That's a great idea, Doc. I apologize for not going down that route. So uh, Cherie out in California, tell us a little bit about yourself and what you do with Backyard Poultry. Oh, sure. Um, well, uh, my name is Cherie. You, you, uh, you pronounced that correctly. Thank you very much. <laughs> um, <laughs> let's see. <laughs> I have, um, I've been a 4-H uh, poultry leader, both at the county and the club level, for about 15 years. Um, I'm also a certified uh, PHI to California Fairs and Expositions and the CDFA. Um, um, and I'm also a, a backyard chicken consultant. So that's what I do kind of on my off hours. I have a normal job Monday through Friday, but um, basically people will hire me to, you know, consult with them about it could be coops, it could be how many chickens um, do they need, you know, it just really kind of depends. And I do chicken classes locally. So I've heard everything and everything, um, anything and everything. And uh, what's amazing to me is just how much misinformation there is out there about raising poultry. And so what I'm excited about is how much um, you and Dr. McRae have actually worked to try and combat some of that, those misnomers that are out there. So, yes. Awesome. That sounds great. Thank you for, for sharing that with us. And it's good to hear folks that are uh, encouraging folks to start their flock and that there's help out there for them because I know a lot of them are just kind of overwhelmed uh, when they start. So that, that's fabulous. And we thank you for joining us today and, and uh, sharing your experience with all our listeners. And uh, Lisa down at Fort Christmas Farm down in Florida, if you'll again share us a little bit about uh, yourself, if you will. Okay. Also known as Christmas Chick, I have uh, a county-recognized farm here, 10 breeds of chickens, guineas, turkeys, ducks, geese, quails, and Nigerian dwarf goats. Um, I try to inform people when they come here to get chicks, try to give them as much information as I can so they can raise healthy, happy chicks. That's awesome. Glad to... Glad to hear it. And, of course, uh, you've, you've had kind of a, a little change here uh, in the last uh, six months or so, Dr. McRae. So tell us, because uh, you've been on the show for years, but you have had a change, and someone may have, may have missed that change. So tell us where you're at now. I'm at Auburn University, and I'm working for the Alabama Cooperative Extension System. What I do is I work in the 4-H um, state office. I'm an extension specialist, and I'm in charge of the animal programs in the state of Alabama for 4-H. Yay. Very cool. Got to love 4-H <laughs> and FFA. Love, love them both. So uh, very good. So now the listeners know uh, kind of our panel uh, today and, and maybe kind of where our, our thought process comes from when we're Wait a minute, uh, Andy. What are your qualifications? <laughs> um, you know, geez. Uh, there's none. No. <laughs> now they were in the beginning of the show, so everybody knows that. Um, uh, as with you, my co-author of the Chicken Whispers Guide to Keeping Chickens, uh, the second book will be out in uh, December. Uh, Chicken Fact or Chicken Poop, which is going to basically debunk a lot of the uh, BS that's out there on the blogs and forums. And then editor in chief of Chicken Whisperer Magazine, host of this show, and national spokesperson for the USDA. Biosecurity for Birds program. So uh, they there you go. With, 
There you go. All right. Yippee. So, um, and this is episode, by the way, and we've done more episodes than this because some were deleted because they were just bad or I didn't like them or they had some bad sound quality. But as of today, guys, this is episode 1,103 of this radio wow. show. Wow. We've been doing the show for about eight years, wow. 1,103. And just to give you some examples of that, the, the TV show Friends, uh, had about 300 episodes. Seinfeld had about 280, 280 episodes of Seinfeld. So you know we're, we're, we got we got four times as many episodes as Friends and Seinfeld, twice as many as those shows put together. So uh, needless to say, we love to uh, spread the chicken love and uh, talk chicken here on the uh, on the show. So um, yeah, 1103 shows. So um, so cool beans, excellent. So uh, let's talk about that, Dr. McRae. The you know they eat less in the summer, they uh, uh, drink yeah. more in the summer. So are they are you know and, and the, uh, the majority of their uh, valuable nutrition comes from that sack of feed that we get at the feed store. So um, you know is that is that going to be well, okay? Just, Do we it's, need to supplement? it's part of the the nature of the animal. Um, the body temperature of a chicken is higher than that of a human, which is why they're not, you know, not susceptible to, to certain diseases. Any, any 4-H member can crack and open an avian bull manual and in the contributions of poultry to the development of science section, it says, you know, there's a very good reason why chickens don't get, you know, anthrax or rabies. The body temperature is all wrong. They're too hot. Mm-hmm. And that's, you know, that's an artifact of, of their high metabolism. When you feed a chicken, food passes through them within hours. Um, for us, it's maybe reach back into your, your EMT days, Andy. I think mm-hmm. for a human to, to process a meal, it can be anywhere from six to 10 hours. Am I remembering mm-hmm. this right? Yeah. Average of but about for eight chickens, hours. Yeah. For chickens, it's more like, it could be four to six, and sometimes it can be as few as two, depending on circumstances, the size and age of the animal, what you've given them, how fast the passage rate is, all that sort of thing. Um, mm-hmm. But chickens eat, um, you know, they're, they've they got an eat-and-go lifestyle. They'll process the food later. We've talked about this and when we discussed digestion and the parts of the digestive tract. But in order to have that fast metabolism, it's going to make the birds warm. They're going to be hot. Add to that, uh, they've got this great layer of insulation all over their bodies called feathers. <laughs> and it keeps them warm in the winter. And up to a point, it keeps them cool in the summer. But then you get past the point of insulation where they can't dissipate the heat from their body anymore unless they do things like stretch their wings out, pant, um, increase blood flow to the parts of their bodies that isn't covered by feathers. And there are sections of the bird's um, body that you may not notice don't have feathers on them. So the next time you are washing your chicken, take a moment, and as as you pull them out of that last spin cycle in your in your chicken watching station, <laughs> um, rinse them off, and then take a look um, on their breast. You're going to see on the sides of their body, they don't have feathers there. 
And what they'll sometimes do in the summer is lift their feathers up or move their wings out of the way so that air will pass Mm -hmm. over those sections and they can dissipate some of their body's heat. They may do this in the shade. They They they, may... Yeah, they get in the shade, they dig that little hole, you know, and they're getting ready to take that dust bath. And you see them, and they're laying on their side, their feet are stretched out, their arms are like up outside of the hole, just kind of sitting back taking a siesta. You know, it's kind of like your uncle yeah. sitting back in his lounge chair holding a beer or something. He's got his arms propped up ah, after mowing the grass or something. So, uh, yeah, absolutely, they love to do that. It's funny. And if anybody who's really engaged with their chickens knows, in those dust bowls, if you go down about an inch or so, that dirt gets really quite cool. <laughs> and what they're going to want to do is get that dirt not only for the dislodging of external parasites, but that dirt feels good against their hot bodies on the parts of the body that aren't covered by insulating feathers. So that's part of the equation and why you might start to see your chickens slow down in the summer. They're not necessarily going to run from place to place, especially if the the heat gets real high and the humidity gets real high. It gets very hard to cool their bodies. We sweat. They don't. Um, A little bit of um, surface area along their combs and their wattles, depending on the, the size of their comb and wattles, you may see those get really red in summer, and um, they may not um, remove or, or flick water from those particular parts of their body um, if they should get wet because of that cooling action of a little bit of airflow over those wet surfaces helps them dissipate that heat. Um, other things that you may see is, is not only are they going to slow down, but they're going to choose places that are cooler. And if they're getting if they're getting cooled down in the shade, you may have you know you may have planted the most beautiful patch of clover, but you know they're not going to touch it because a it's just too hot, and b uh, you know who knows maybe there's a hawk that's been eyeballing them out there. (laughs) If they don't feel protected, they're not going to go out there. Um, Other things that you should know is is it burns a lot of energy to process food. And um, sometimes people realize this more in the winter than they do the summer. Um, but when you are eating food, you actually warm up a little bit. And that's not necessarily because you're eating hot food, but the process of metabolizing that food and turning it into something usable, you know, it it creates heat. And in summer, you're trying to get rid of heat. So um, sometimes birds don't eat as much as they normally would, which makes it even more important that you feed them a balanced diet rather than diluting it because every bite that they choose to eat in the summer really is one that they've they've chosen and they're going to eat to meet their energy requirements first. Mm -hmm. So that's why we're saying, or why you said, feed them a balanced diet because, you know, they're going to, they're, 
they're going to choose to eat junk or they're going to choose to eat something good, but they're only going to be able to eat so much of it before they're too warm. And, um, you know, it'll make them very uncomfortable to be eating something that's not good for them. They can't, um, they can't dissipate that heat, but they're still trying to meet their energy requirements and so on and so forth. It's, it's a cycle there. And, of course, water is part of that equation. You want to make sure in the summer that you provide cool, fresh, clean water for your birds. And as far as um, additions that you could give to your birds, I think I'm going to let some of our fellow speakers step in and talk about that. Um, and I'll chime in if if need be, okay, Andy, On uh, no, unless great. there's uh, something uh, specific you want to talk about. No, we can talk about the, the kind of the environment a little bit. That's great. And um, I do want to talk about the, the water issue, a cool, fresh water on a regular basis, because it's been said on the show clean. before that Don't forget clean. as that clean, fresh water, because um, they, um, as the water sitting out in the sun possibly heats up, as the water gets hot, they won't drink as much of it. And then as that uh, the water um, increases up towards maybe getting close to their body temperature, they may not drink any of it. Um, and I think that that's been said on the show uh, as well with some of our experts we have on. So the the cool water and fresh water both important, um, but we we sometimes forget that cool water in the summertime, uh, encouraging them and to, Andy, to drink that. So the this the panelists that you have on today have many years of experiences and have probably seen many solutions to this mm-hmm. very problem. Um, I mean, it's great to have chickens, but we all go to work, or at least most of us go to work, and when we leave in the morning, it may be a reasonable temperature, but it may be blazing hot by the time we get home, and we don't want our birds to feel miserable because they'll stop laying <laughs> eggs. I mean... So, you know, I'll, I think I'll turn it over to, to them here on out. Okay, let's start off with uh, Cherie. And uh, Cherie can tell us a little bit what she does out in California to, uh, to help her chickens uh, manage through the summer cool and comfortable. So uh, uh, tell us what, what you do out there at your place, Cherie. Oh, sure. Well, you know, it's interesting because in, in the part of California that we're located in, we, we get sometimes something called a delta breeze. Um, and when that delta breeze turns on, the um, the cool air flows come in in the evening, and it's and it's awesome. Um, and so they'll flow through. They'll reach you know the kind of the valley areas, um, and it'll cool off in the evening. But we can get into temperatures as high as you know 110, 115 where I'm located, and it's on those days that it just gets really rough. Uh, what makes it even more rough though, especially on our chickens, is that. Uh, those days when that delta breeze is not um, coming in. And so in Mm -hmm. that case, we literally go for a week or more where temperatures aren't getting below 75 degrees at night. And and that's what I think those are the days when we really kind of turn on the, um, you know, whatever efforts we need to do are actually leading up to that. So I'm constantly, I'm actually watching the weather reports more in the summer when it comes to our flocks (laughs) than I am Mm -hmm, in the winter. mm -hmm. So. Um, because we want to try and make sure that those chickens, that they're physically prepared for when those kind of heat waves happen 
you know, not when, not exactly when they happen, but we want to prepare them before it happens. Um, so at our house, we, we, you know, over the years, I've tried lots of different things. I think originally we tried uh, a mister system. Um, but the misters, those things, you know, as, as much as much as you think they would help, and they do help in some situations, they they clog up very easily. They end up creating uh, puddles of not so fresh and clean water. <laughs> and so it becomes, you know, more of a nuisance because you either have a uh, – a, a mister that's clogged or a mister that's leaking too much, and then, you know, what do you do from there? So in recent years, we've switched over to um, to box fans. So literally every, you know, at the end of the summer season, the season before, you know, they go on sale at all the different, you know, department stores. I'll buy buy up some box fans, and we have a system of automatic timers that run through our chicken yard. Um uh, where I have uh, box fans strategically placed, um, and they basically you know, they turn on during the the hottest part of the afternoon just for airflow, and then I keep them on throughout part of the night um, because I want that cool air to circulate as much as I can. Um, I know that with chickens, you know, you always you know the rule of thumb is always be careful with drafts and that kind of thing. But because it gets mm-hmm. so hot where we are. Um, there is a compromise there to where I want them to have um, the airflow without the draft being directly on them if I can help it, but sometimes I can't. Um, so we use that. We use a combination of frozen water bottles. Um, folks in the rabbit world will typically do this. They will freeze uh, two-liter bottles of water, and the rabbits will, will kind of cuddle up next to them to keep cool. Um, and I find that the chickens will sometimes do that, um, and it just mm-hmm. so I'll put them either um, if I can put them in a waterer, I will, or else I'll, I'll put them throughout the coop or the chicken run, um, just to at least give them that option. Um, and then, um, of course, on the days that are really, really hot, we'll we'll add um, we'll add electrolytes, you know, to their water just as an extra, you know, step, um, just preventative if we can. Um, but those those tend to be the things that help make you know help get them through those days when we literally have um, days and days where it doesn't get below seventy five, and both the chickens are miserable and we're miserable. So, <laughs> but you know awesome, what thanks. I wanted to yeah no, but I wanted to ask Dr. McCray too because one of the one of the things we also do is we never we never feed scratch or things you know grains. Mm-hmm. Um, during the summertime, um, and the reasoning for that has been um, that we don't want to, we don't want those chickens to produce any more body heat than they have to. Um, whereas we'll use the reverse in the winter when it is cold and freezing, we'll feed them a little bit of scratch before they they go down for the night. Um, and I'm curious about this: is there really truly science behind that? Yeah, yeah. Um, the the amount of energy that you find in in scratch grains is greater and and you want that additional energy um, at night when they are slowly emptying their crop and then sending that food through their digestive tract, um, getting that extra burst of heat energy as they process those grains in the middle of the night is exactly what we've been prescribing for years on the show. So, yeah, Mm -hmm. cool. You got it. And even even if um, it's also been said on the show that even if you still are not a fan of scratch, no matter what season it is, just 
giving even their regular, uh, let's say, laying pellets, uh, and, and you know, getting them to eat some of that uh, in the evenings. Uh, anything you know that 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 can help produce some, maybe not as much as scratch, but you still have some folks that'll be like, never feeding scratch ever. And then, uh, but but I'll I'll do something. I'll give them some. Uh, uh, make it seem like a special little pie pan of their regular pellets, but I may put two or three or four or a sprinkle of uh, mealworms on there to try to get them to eat that before they go to bed on those extra cold nights. Still not getting mm-hmm. scratched, but they're getting something in there to digest to create some heat overnight exactly. So uh, I wanted to share that option too for those that may be listening that I ah, just don't do the scratch thing, but I still would like to benefit from that idea. And you still can do it even with maybe your regular ration or something a little bit uh, non-scratch or a little bit more uh, healthy. That's awesome. I always like mm-hmm. like to hear that. Um, mm-hmm. Let's throw it over to uh, Lisa, uh, where it gets, again, also awfully hot in Florida, but then uh, she's dealing with a lot of humidity as well, the sticky, mm-hmm. humid uh, south. And uh, let's see what Lisa does down at Fort Christmas Farm to help battle the heat there in uh, in the southeast. Yes, it gets very humid here. One thing <laughs> I really like is I like to hang shade cloths. And I get it at Home Depot in a large roll. It's 50 feet long by 6 feet wide, and I cut it up as I need it and use binder clips. So wherever the sun is going to be really strong, I will hang this in front of all the coops, and the air can still pass through it, but it gives them the shade they need. The other thing I do for the shade is I started planting plants that, um, for example, I planted a passion fruit vine. And this vine has gone up up the sides of my runs and across the top, and it is so much cooler underneath this passion fruit vine because Mm -hmm. it is such a thick, luscious vine. And it's just pretty cool with the passion fruit hanging down in the runs also. (laughs) But it does help. I was now, what about do you that, all the, um... think? Oh, sorry. Go ahead. So, Go ahead. Sorry, Andy. Um, what do you all think about additives to the to um, ice blocks? Oh, you mean like um, like fruit chunks and that kind of thing? Yeah. What have you seen? Um, what works? Um, so on and so forth. I think, Lisa, if it's okay, I'll um, I'll, I'll I, I'm wondering. It's funny because I think sometimes it's more of a novelty. You know, we like to give our pets things, you know, treats and that kind of thing, and so it's kind of one of those treats. But um, but I find, um, well, on a special day, I might freeze part of a watermelon and put that out there for the chickens to kind of munch on and stuff, and I find that the frozen watermelon kind of works better than the frozen ice cubes. And maybe it's just that it, the ice cubes take too much work. <laughs> So I'm just getting a piece of watermelon and putting it out there. And but again, it's you know it's a treat. Um, I don't know, Lisa. What do you what do you do? Do you eat fruit and ice cubes? I'm on a radio show. Lisa, you're up. What have you um, What have you done in uh, with respect to treats and ice blocks or ice cubes or ice in general? I've done the water bottles. It's just the easiest thing to stick in the freezer. It's what I have the most space to do. 
since I have the, like I said, 10 different breeds here, that would be a lot of gallon jugs <laughs> to stick in the freezer. Mm-hmm. The water bottles will fit in the freezer better for me. So that's now, what I do, I have, and then just drop them in the waters. I, I've had um, mixed relationships with treats, and, you know, I, I like it all in moderation. I've seen people take scratch and mix it with fruit or mealworms and mix that in with um, a very small rubber tub, maybe something that's a, a very tiny, maybe a not even a foot diameter. Sometimes I see six-inch diameter uh, rubber tubs, and if they have a chest freezer, they'll put it in there. And then once it's totally frozen, the next day they'll put it out in a larger rubber tub with some water for gradual melting. To me, it looks like a just a, a mess, but <laughs> have any of you any experience with that or seen people using that sort of sort of measures? I have seen it, but I, you know, I've seen it more on uh, Facebook and people doing that, and I've never seen the aftermath of it to you know, whether it works or not. It looks pretty when they do it at first, you know, but to whether the chickens appreciate it and eat it, you know, they're not exactly, I don't think they're really going to dive in the water a whole lot to get the things that are floating on the bottom. And that might make some yucky water by the end of the day. Right, right. Yeah, I agree with Lisa. I think that would be kind of a mess. And, well, and the thing is, whenever I've thrown things out there, you know, for the chickens to eat, you know, things stick to them. So even if you have frozen water, you know, dirt and everything kind of, I don't know, it kind of, it creates more of a mess. But it's it also may depend on the number of chickens that you have, you know, because like Lisa said, the easiest thing is to get the water bottles in the freezer. And I know for me that's that's the same, I have the same experience where if it's going to take me so much time to chop up things and put them together when I know that I can do something easier and, you know, that that might do the same thing because it's are you giving them a treat or are you helping them cool down and if you know earlier you had talked about that you know they're really drinking more than they eat in the summer and if you have that opportunity to give them better nutrition with what they drink is there something else better that you could add to to their water or to like the additives or you know something that can that that's going to help that bird's um, physiology better to managing with the heat And, and Andy, one of the things I, I didn't mention is, and I will mention again here, is for every mm-hmm. one degree centigrade above their comfort zone that the temperature goes, they're going to have a decrease in approximately one and a half percent of their feed consumption. And of course, you get the opposite with um, colder temperatures, they're going to increase their feed consumption. So if you're feeding a marginalized diet, um, something that's not completely uh, balanced, their performance is going to be affected. You may see that they they throw themselves into a molt or you get eggs that are lower quality. Of course, a lot of people don't measure the quality of their eggs. They don't know how to. Um, They don't have that specialized equipment, but it is a consideration because we want our birds to be happy in producing healthy, nutritious eggs for us. Absolutely. 
Um, the shade cloth, do you have any idea, at least of the, um, I don't know if you've ever gone this far to say, okay, it's 98 out here, but under the shade, here's my thermometer under the shade cloth, because I had mentioned that earlier in the show uh, about using some shade cloth. Have you get an idea of maybe the temperature difference? Have you done that yet? Have you gone no. that far with it? <laughs> no, I haven't gone that can, far with it. It's just you can see that the where the shade cloth is is where the birds are, and where it isn't <laughs> is where the birds aren't. <laughs> that's so they are appreciating you need to know. the extra shade. <laughs> yeah, that says let's everything. Give animals, let's give those animals credit. You walk, you drive down here in the south, and uh, all the cows, there may be one or two lone trees out in the pasture, and you've got 30 cows trying to get up under that shade tree. <laughs> it's uh, it's funny. Yeah, they're, they're, they're no dummies, that's for sure. <laughs> so... Um, I gotta Can look I up bring up one if... other thing? You go right ahead. Um, something uh, Peter Brown has mentioned and has always intrigued me, and I actually have it here, but I've never gone ahead and done it. He has mentioned twice about a couple times about adding aspirins to their water and adding vitamin C to their water. And I've actually gone and bought the aspirins and I've gone and bought the vitamin C and just didn't know what uh how much to put in per gallon. You know, and and do we need to have a mortar and pestle to crush it all up to disperse it good through the water? Well, this is news to me. What is he saying it does? What's cools the mode them, of action? Cools them down. Cools their body temperature down. Huh. <laughs> so I guess a lot of people don't do that. <laughs> well, that's, I'd say that'd be worthy of more investigation. Well, that I always thought it sounded really good, you know, if that really worked, because it's, you know, humidity uh, is and the heat here is just something else. You know, so, and I've always liked the idea and just haven't gone the extra step of getting the mortar and pestle and figuring out exactly what the dosages should be per gallon. Yeah, I'd be interested in, in get, getting more information about that, too. It's funny because, just as a side note, I, I have a friend who does heirloom tomatoes, and she has a uh, aspirin spray that she uses on her, just, you know, your regular aspirin and water that she uses on the tomatoes to help um, avoid pests, but... um but I want to be careful in saying that because you don't want to try and connect dots where there aren't, you know, where there aren't dots. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you kind of you think, oh, it'll work here, maybe it'll work somewhere else. But um, it would be interesting to see what the actual particulars are on that. Um, of course, I'm gonna, you know, I don't know the specifics mm-hmm. on on, um, you know, what is the mode of action, what system are you affecting, um, is it time sensitive is there a temperature beyond which it does doesn't work that, those are all the, the scientist questions that just floated into my mind that mm-hmm. uh, make me curious right. me too hey i um, um, i uh, oh go ahead sorry i was just going to plug a, a product they, they this uh product used to be, we used to be a sponsor of the show and uh, he had a, um, a a major family setback in, in his family, and we still keep this gentleman in our prayers. But um, as far as keeping the water cool, and one of the very innovative products um, for that is uh, chickenwaterer.com. And basically, it's, it's it's a nipple watering system, but you utilize it in a igloo cooler or any type of big uh, cooler. 
to keep the water cool, and you just replace the spigot where you'd fill up your glass with this particular um, watering system. It's called the Bright Tap Chicken Waterer. And so if you're going to be gone all day and you can't just, you know, I'm not sure how long the 20-ounce frozen water bottle uh, in Florida is going to last in a regular three- or five-gallon waterer that's sitting outside. But um, you've got this, you know, to paint a picture for our listeners, the big round orange water cooler on the back of the construction truck, and you buy this uh, additional piece, and then right now it's uh, 30 bucks, and you put that uh, in place of the spout where you would fill up your cup and fill it with water, fill it with ice, close it, it's insulated as a cooler should be, and throughout the entire day, now your chickens will have access to cool, fresh water. I know some people are taking this idea and doing kind of their own thing with it, just taking a cooler and putting some nipples in it, whatever, without buying this. Uh, and uh, if you're having success, great. This is I've always liked that idea for folks that lived in a hot area, and you're not there all day to put the frozen bottles in their water or, you know, that, you know, throughout the afternoon. This is, uh, I think, a, a good um, cost-effective way to do that for your flock for about 30 bucks. If you have a cooler, if you know, go to a Goodwill or a garage sale and buy your the big round cooler, and you've got it made. So I wanted to, because uh, I, I like the product so much for that reason, uh, that's why I'm uh, sharing folks about it. Chickenwaterer.com, and it's called the Bright And Cap we did Water. research with their their product, Andy, and right. it, closed mm-hmm. watering systems do stay cleaner for longer, and that's you know, mm-hmm. a closed watering system, um, you know, if you've got, even if it's a nipple drinker system, kind of like the chicken fountain, which I know is one of your sponsors, he has a uh-huh. reservoir system that if that's not direct sunlight, you know, that water stays pretty cool as it makes its way to the actual drinker itself, mm-hmm. um, which is a consideration as a method for keeping that water cool. But, yes, Bright and Tap Frank's- has a, a cool water mm-hmm. system. Keeping it in that cooler, I think it was Igloo, not Coleman, uh, was their watering system that they they said their product works well with. Mm-hmm. And um, along with the chicken fountain um, and his product, if you and if you call him and say, um, I, I'm you know I've got the budget and I, I want the biggest chicken waterer you make. I want it right now. Send it to me. I'm ready to use this thing. He'll ask you, how many chickens do you have? Well, I've got 12 chickens. And he's not going to send you the largest. I don't care how much money you have and and you want to spend it and you want the biggest and best of everything. He's not going to send you that biggest one because if you only have 12 chickens, you don't need the big one. And why that's important is that if you only have 12 chickens and you get the largest chicken water that he's got, or maybe you get the largest cooler you've got and fill it with water and do a nipple system, um, and you have a small amount of birds, they are not circulating that water as often as it should be to keep it fresh, to keep it cool. So bigger, in this case, is not always better uh, because they're not circulating that water. So you know, think about how many birds you have based on the size cooler you're going to have. If you say get the bright tap, if you're ordering the chicken fountain, same issue. You want them to circulate that water at a particular amount of time so they have fresh water all the time. So just getting you know this huge 55-gallon drum and putting nipples at the bottom, saying this is great, huge. I never have you know that's going to be a while before I have to change it out. That's not a, a good scenario for, say, 12 chickens. So keep that in mind when you're shopping for waterers, uh, especially these closed ones and nipple systems as well. 
Instead, you can take a look at the accessories. Right. Exactly, exactly. Hey guys, I'm going to put you, all you guys on mute. I'm going to go ahead and take a uh, take a break here. Go to our next commercial break. We have two per show, and then um, hey, that's less than TVN and real AMFM radio. But we've got to do that, so we'll take a break. Hopefully, everybody at home's taking some notes. When we come back. We're going to continue uh, with our talk today about you know dealing with summer heat, nutrition, and keeping our flocks cool. Um, as summer uh, approaches. So stay with us. There'll be more to come. Ideal Poultry has been a family-owned and operated business since 1937. Their business is built on customer service and quality poultry. From rare white and brown egg layers to broilers, ducks, turkeys, and bantams, Ideal Poultry is the largest supplier of backyard poultry in the United States, shipping close to 5 million chicks annually. Visit them online at IdealPoultry.com. That's IdealPoultry.com. Do you provide a heat source for your backyard chickens in the winter? In most cases, it's not necessary. But if you choose to provide a heat source for your backyard chickens, it's imperative to use a safe and effective heat source, and the only one I recommend is the Sweeter Heater. The Sweeter Heater is a safe, completely sealed, washable, non-breakable, energy-efficient, long-lasting and reliable specific area heater that comes with a three-year warranty. Ditch the dangerous heat lamp this season and invest in the only heater I recommend, the Sweeter Heater. Purchase the Sweeter Heater online at SweeterHeater.com. That's SweeterHeater.com. Want to protect your hens from the damage caused by an overly affectionate rooster? Nothing protects hens better than the Hen Saver Hen Apron. Hen Saver Hen Aprons come in several different sizes to fit both bantam and large fowl hens. They also come in several different styles and colors. Give your hens the protection they deserve by purchasing Hen Saver Hen Aprons today. 100% of all proceeds goes to provide care to rescued animals at Crazy K Farm in Hempstead, Texas. Purchase your Hen Saver Hen Aprons at Hensaver.com. That's Hensaver.com. Hey, it's the Chicken Whisperer. If you're in the market for a new incubator, then look no further than GQF. They have a great selection of tabletop and cabinet-style incubators at prices you can afford. I love my GQF Genesis Model 1588. It has a large picture window and an automatic thermostat, which makes for a better hatch every time. Go pick out your new incubator at GQFradio.com. That's GQFradio.com. Since 1921, Stromberg's has been a family-owned and operated business providing quality poultry and poultry supplies to their customers. Today, the Strombergs family offers over 200 different breeds of poultry, including chickens, waterfowl, and game birds. They also offer poultry supplies for both the beginner and experienced poultry keeper. Strombergs should be on the top of your list when it's time to order your new day-old baby chicks and poultry supplies. Order online today at strombergschickens.com. That's strombergschickens.com. Come back, 
from our family to yours. Feed your chickens the way nature intended. Pure, wholesome goodness. Kalmbach Feeds. Visit our website at kalmbachfeeds.com. That's K-A-L-M-B-A-C-H feeds.com. Or order today on Amazon.com. Kalmbach Feeds is a proud sponsor of the Chicken Whisperer. How would you like a punch in the beak? This looks like a job for... Super Chicken? You get the super sauce, I'll don my super suit. Actually, in reality, I am... Super Chicken! All righty, thanks for staying with us today on Backyard Poultry with the Chicken Whisperer, brought to you by Calm Bach Feeds. And um, to, to keep it rolling, you know, we've, we've had a great time. We have about maybe 10 or 15 minutes left, but and I kind of want to open it up to anything. I know that Lisa in Florida has a very interesting question, but um, I'll start off and we'll go to each of our panelists today and kind of wrap up anything you want to make sure convey to our, our listeners about um, uh, summertime, heat-related issues, keeping them cool. We've already had a great, lot of great suggestions in the show, but I'll start off with uh, Lisa before we open it up to anything uh, under the sun. Uh, anything, Lisa, you wanted to share more about um, uh, heat in the summer and our flock? Not for the summer and flock. I already had the other question in mind. If <laughs> so you want me yep, to go yep, with we'll that. Get to that in, we'll okay. get that in just a second. Let's go to let's go to Sheree out in California. If she has any other uh, suggestions uh, out her way, or for you know any of our listeners for that matter. Sure. Thanks, and thanks, Andy. Um, the thing that I wanted to make sure uh, that we talked about, too, real quick, because Lisa had mentioned early on about plants and, um, you know, her uh, passion fruit vine. And it's funny because that made me think of my own yard and how literally I can walk from one side to the other and I will feel a temperature change, especially where there is more vegetation. It tends to be cooler. And I think people can really use that and, and where they place their coops you know, if they are just starting out with chickens and they're trying to figure out where to put their chicken coop, it's a really good idea to go out in the yard at different times of the day to figure out, you know, what type of sun do they mm-hmm. get, what kind of, you know, shade cloth do we need, that kind of thing. And, um, um, you know, so it's it's if you have the opportunity to place your coop kind of in a place that's going to cooperate, you know, that's going to work well with your weather situation, then, you know, it's it's a it's a good opportunity to do that. So that was my, my other thought. But, uh, that I had. So. Perfect. No, thank you very much for uh, sharing that. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, Dr. McCray, anything that you had on your kind of agenda or your outline for uh, uh, summer issues in your flock today? I know that in the same line, in the same vein as what um, Sheree mentioned was um, go out there. Also, pay attention to where the wind flows from on your mm-hmm. property. Uh, if your shade is kind of on the leeward side of the property, um, you know, you you may get a lot of wind blowing off of a, a hot asphalt pad or something like that. And you may want to put your coop in a different location or um, you may want to plant something that would cool it down and take advantage of a certain wind flow or at least pay attention to where the the sun moves so that you can um, place your coop accordingly. And uh, having lived out in California, and I know that Delta breeze, when I lived in Delaware, there was what was called 
um, the Delmarva breeze, and it came from the Chesapeake Bay, same concept. Mm -hmm. And it was always blowing from west to east. So you want to know your areas, or if you've just recently moved to the area, get to know the area before you get your flock started so that you can take advantage of nature's um, already provided for solutions to heat problems. Cool. Very good. Well, thanks all of you guys for, for that. Hopefully our listeners have learned a little bit uh, as summer approaches, and I'm sure we'll have the super, super hot uh, temperatures uh, across the country. Um, let's kind of open it up to just general anything and everything while we have uh, Dr. McRae here. And you had shared this with me uh, a couple of days ago, Lisa, and I think it was uh, pretty neat. So we'll have you start off with this question for uh, Dr. McRae. Okay. The question has to do with coccidiosis. Um, since coccidiosis is a protozoa and it um, lives on thiamine that is in the vitamin packs that we can get for our chicks, what I was trying to figure out is, because you can't, um, most people aren't going to know that their chicks have started to develop coccidiosis. And what I was trying to figure out was the, um, since, it, like I said, it lives on the thiamine, that is in the, say, like save a chick, the electrolytes and vitamins that uh, you make up for your chick water. is, And then also considering the um, medicated chick starter. I, I was trying to put the three all together. The medicated chick starter is supposed to keep the coccidiosis or give them a boost against coccidiosis, but how does it relate if they start getting coccidiosis, and then sh when should you not do the electrolytes and vitamins? So first of all, you want to be doing everything you can to prevent coccidiosis in the first place. So having good separation between older birds, use good biosecurity measures because they have young um, immune systems. And I'm sorry, guys, if you're hearing the crane that's just outside my window right now, I apologize. <laughs> this building here. is being renovated. Okay, good. Okay. <laughs> but they're going to town outside my window here. Okay. Hey, I just, I hope, hey, I hope there's not a, like a wrecking ball swinging towards your window in a minute. <laughs> no, but it was pretty windy the other day and it was, it was playing, but Okay. Um, getting back to coccidiosis, um, so you don't want them to get coccidiosis. What the medicated chick starter has in it is a coccidia stat, not a coccidia side, but a coccidia stat. It doesn't kill the coccidia. It retards its ability to, um, to take advantage of the bird's, um, naive immune system, naive gut, young age, that sort of thing. Um, if your chickens start to come down with coccidiosis, depending on, you know, how much the dosage is, how well your chickens are growing, how old they are, you may never know that they've had a run-in with coccidiosis. Um, I would say the majority of incidences, you don't necessarily know that they've been in contact with one of the nine species that can affect them. Uh, and that's, that's good. That means the coccidia status is, is helping the birds at least 
if they're going to get coccidiosis, the birds don't get a sufficiently large dose that it can kill them or cause their gut major damage, enough that you would actually see their droppings turn kind of an orangey-reddish color. Now, if you are seeing that orangey-reddish color, um, they're already pretty bad off. Uh, their gut is damaged. Um, you're not going to be able to do much to help them at that point other than just let them be. Uh, there's enough vitamins and minerals in the diet, but right now their gut is the only thing that can feed them, and it's damaged. So mm -hmm. whether or not you give them, whether or not you give them uh, a regular balanced diet or electrolytes, either way, they're not going to be able to utilize it very well. Um, sure, you can give them something um, if you want to. You can. If the question of thiamine is something that I have not done a, re a literature review on, so I would have to get back to you as to the answer to that particular question, whether you're actually doing more harm than good. I think that's what you're trying to ask me is, yes. are you doing more harm than good by giving them electrolytes? Um, and my answer is, if, they're already, if their gut is already hurt and damaged and they've got a big abdominal owie, you know, just let them be. They've already got the balanced diet in the feed. Um, you know, just they'll either make it or they won't. It really does depend on the dosage and, and how prepared their body is. So that ties back into biosecurity. Um, and I don't know, I can't sing that song too many times without sounding like a broken record. Um, Cherie, have you had any situations where people have contacted you and said, I think I've got coccidiosis, what should I do? Oh, yeah. Well, it's it's funny because it's one of the things we cover in our in our chicken classes. Um, because I know myself, especially here in this area with the heat, um, if people are hatching birds kind of later in the season, it seems as if there's, you know, maybe that makes a difference. There's more incidence of coccidiosis, but... Um, but typically what they'll do, it's funny because we get into, in our classes, we get more into a debate about if should you feed medicated feed or not. And I kind of chalk it down to, you know, it really comes down to personal preference, but I use medicated chick feed. Um, and um, the other thing we talk about, if there's any vectors or any, you know, is there anything else that could make um, coccidiosis less or more hospitable, you know? like um, So we kind of... Environmental factors, you mean? Yeah, and and just being able to recognize the signs, you know, it's because, um, like you said early on, that um, that preventing it in the first place is the most important thing. So we kind of go through, you know, how do you set up your chick brooder, and you know, what do you do? Um, for me, I, you know, I had one several years ago. We had one horrendous outbreak of coccidiosis, and it was in July, and it was a late hatch of birds, and um, oh, it was devastating. I literally walked out and, and you know, I had um, I had a fruit bin, a uh, brooder, older birds. They were probably about six weeks old and, and um, like half of them were dead. It was awful. <laughs> and so, oh. you know, it was really, but it was a reminder of, you know, and, it, and what I, you know, and actually kind of to go on Lisa's question, you know, what kind of vectors, we had horrible flies that year. 
And I was actually reading about, um, there was an article about mice and mice and coops, and it just reminded me how flies can transmit so many different things. They can car- they're carriers, right? So is that going to... They can carry it- them in their gut or they can carry it on the outside of their body. Yes, yes. So managing those things as well perhaps can make a difference. So, so Chris Machik, I haven't got an answer for your question because I haven't done the literature review. Mm-hmm. But if you'll allow me some time to do that, I will try to do... Um, due diligence and answer your question. I would appreciate that very much. It's just that I have people uh, locally that call me just because they want to know, you know, they don't know who else to ask because their chicken died. And I always Mm -hmm. tell them, go look through the shavings. Do you see blood? You know, and they'll come back and tell me, yes, I do. You know, so then I can tell them, well, you got coccidiosis. And, you know, a long time ago, I would have said, you know, put them on some electrolytes and vitamins, not thinking about the thiamine, you know, just thinking of something that would help because there's not a whole lot to And where do. did you, did you read an article that, that brought that up? No, actually, a friend of mine was do, going through a book, and she mentioned not the whole question. She just mentioned part of it, and then it kind of was a light bulb went off and went, oh, my, you know, is that in the the uh, stuff that I put in the water for them, you know, uh, well, electrolytes and stuff like that uh, with the vitamins in it, and it is. The thiamine's in there. Let's investigate that and get back to your answer on your question on maybe a, uh, an upcoming radio show, if, if Andy would be amenable to that. Hmm. Dead science from Andy. <laughs> <laughs> Are you there? No, I just. He's I'm, like, oh God, I don't want to do this. <laughs> it's all good. I'm up for oh, oh, you're up for anything, huh? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, oh dear. I don't think he knows what he agreed to. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Hey, you, you, you. It's 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 all good, man. I've got a I got a four and six year old. Anything goes, right? <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I I think what I will need to do is after the show I will contact you and get the specifics of the the wording and then start that literature review and then Andy and I will put together a separate show and and Andy maybe this could be a, a summertime coccidiosis topic, mm-hmm. um, but uh, you know. I, we have resources and knowledgeable people all across the country, from Christmas Chick to Cherie out in California. And we want people to be able to feel comfortable asking questions using good biosecurity. But I will happily go do a literature review on this. Um, so, you know, that's always an offer that I've extended to Andy, uh, to you, Christmas Chick, to you, Sir. Um, Sherry, I almost said your last name, <laughs> so that, you know, if you've got a real toughie, a question that's a real toughie, you know, let's let's tackle it. Um, and you might even have a repository to, of questions. I think we ought to do this more often, maybe once a month with the three of us, four of us, and then maybe have other guests come on as well and do this you kind of yourself, uh, scenario before. 
I did, yep. So uh, well, I, I said expert, so I'm, I'm excluding myself from that 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 area. So the three experts come on. But seriously, we we ought to do this more often. But if anybody, I'm telling them right now, comes on the show and says, "Oh, hey, did you hear that pumpkin seeds are an all-natural demurmer for chickens? They're banned for the Stop show. Stop it! Ban, ban, ban! I'm up for it. Not the pumpkin seeds. Jolly. <laughs> <laughs> oh jeez. Okay. Well, yeah. Um yeah, and hopefully y'all know how to reach Andy and you know how to reach me. So um when you've got those those toughies, let me know. Just let me know and and we'll tackle it. That would be great. Um, we'll, we'll schedule one something of the other in, things now, that now. I I saw on Pinterest today that made me mad. I don't I don't often get mad. Sometimes I get oh, mad I'm enough that they call Andy. I'm mad all well, the time. You call me, but sometimes I get mad and call you, and that's a little rarer. But I saw I saw something about oh, growing your own mealworm, and I just I'm kind of going, okay, it sounds good, but there's lots of ways it could go wrong, and I, it just worries me. Sometimes it worries me, and I want to know the science where the pitfalls are so they could be avoided. And that's where I think sometimes getting a a group of opinions or what people perceive um, is good because I don't catch all of them. And to take a quote, a line from Cherie, I don't need to connect dots where there are any darts when there are not any dots to connect. So, and I think we get a lot of that with social media. Mm. Some, yeah, it's some, funny how people, people kind like of. It. Oh, sorry. <laughs> I was going to say. No, go ahead, kind of Oh, it's kind of funny how sometimes people try to, you know, they'll hear one thing and they think that it'll apply to something else. And it's like, no, there's more involved, and you really have to understand or take the time to understand the, the science behind it. Um, there was something mm-hmm. that I read mm-hmm. that said, you know, you don't want to treat just to treat. And. Um, that you really want to understand what it is and why you're doing what you're doing, especially when it comes to your flock. And and that's because I think in in some ways it's human nature. You know, we have a sick chicken or something's going on and we just want to do something because it makes us feel better and we feel like we're we're trying to help. Um, When really sometimes the best thing is to step back, you know, take a look at what's in front of you, process of elimination of, you know, you examine all of these different things that, you know, um, the evidence you kind of have in front of you, and then you try to make an educated decision. And um, and I think sometimes people don't know that there are resources out there. Um, you know, even for me in the Lodi area, you know, like I have, um, you know. You I have do, a I, vet that's up in the um, Placerville mm-hmm. area, right? Exactly. The mobile vet? Yeah. She sees so birds. She does. She's an avian vet, and she's awesome. And she will, um, Dr. Dr. Smith, and she will. Yes. You know, I refer people to her all the time because um, because she, you know, she's a good resource, and um, she sees uh, everything from emus to chickens to parrots. Yes. (laughs) And she is a busy, busy lady, but she will um, she'll take the time for you, which is great. So, yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, I think I think we'll do that, and we'll, we'll we'll have some fun with it. We'll have some people calling in, and people call in and say, uh, "Yeah, did you know if you uh, feed your chickens uh, pumpkin seeds that it's an all-natural dewormer?" And then I get to go. <laughs> <laughs> hey, hey, did you know? 
did you know that all you have to do to ferment feed is get a five-gallon bucket, fill it full of food, and fill it full of water, and let it sit for two weeks, and you have fermented feed? <laughs> okay, I had the phone a little too close to my ear that time. Let me know, Andy. <laughs> oh, my goodness. And don't forget the Twinkies. Oh, my oh I know it. Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay, wait, wait, wait. Explain. Um, I'm cringing that's, already, that's, but explain. No, no, no. That That's my rebuttal to, um, and it has been for years, to all of the, hey, did you know this cures that? Did you know this cures that? And um, and and so I can say, you know, and, and it's, it's a little touchy because I do use the C word, the cancer word. And I know that's touchy for a lot of families out there. My dad was a four-time cancer survivor, so... I feel myself comfortable using the scenario, but sometimes you have to use scenarios like this to honestly get your point across to some people. And so when they're saying things, oh, this cures that, this cures this, well, how do you know? Because I give this and and I don't have this. So I use the scenario several times um, to get the point across that, uh, well, to use your same scenario and your same thought process, I could um, equally say that, Twinkies prevent cancer because I eat one Twinkie every day and don't have cancer. And so, so saying some of these other things that people say, like, oh, I give this and it cures this. I give this and it cures this. Well, how do you know? Well, because I give this and my chicken doesn't have this. Well, using that premise, um, Twinkies prevent, prevent cancer because I eat a Twinkie every day and as far as I know right now, don't have cancer. So, um, it's, to, it's, again, it's a strong analogy. I get that because cancer affects so many people, but at the same time, it's, it's as ridiculous as some of these other things that, that people are saying. So, and then finally people are like, well, yeah, I guess that does make sense. So sometimes you have to use the shock factor um, in, in getting that across. So it's, uh, it's pretty, oh, welcome to our world. So, uh, Lisa, thank you very much for joining us today. We appreciate it, and we'll schedule a show for uh, June. Dr. McRae routinely comes on the first and third Thursdays of every month, first and third Thursdays. So uh, we'll we'll um, uh, figure out which day of the month we want to kind of do this and have a kind of uh, uh, open forum, either the first or the third Thursday. So mark your calendars and at 2 p.m. Eastern. And then, Sheree, thank you very much for coming on and sharing all of your knowledge uh, and experience and with Andy, us and our I think, listeners. Yes. I think Sheree has a consulting website. Is it chickensforeggs.com? It is. It's, um, it's chickensforeggs.com, and I have a Facebook page, too. And, um, and I, you know, that's how people kind of connect with me in the area. Um, and I'm actually... So I'm if, getting, if people want to reach out to her... And and funnel questions to her, and then she funnels them to us. That might be a way they could do it, Andy. Absolutely. I, I have people calling the show. I got <laughs> I got fifty I got fifty phone lines. Man, we're high tech here, so we we can have our panel of four or five, and then and then we could we could even we could even take calls, and um and then if we take calls and have people call in, then I get to use my buzzer more often. <laughs> Thank you. Too loud. Oh. <laughs> okay, I'll turn it down a little bit. Here, I'll turn it down. Wait. Here, how about this? Is this a better tone? Okay, that I can live with. Okay. It's sweet. Okay. Too loud. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> too loud. Oh, golly. I, I could probably could get you some use out of this one too. 
Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness, I've got tons of them, but but nonetheless, over the years, everybody loves it when Dr. McRae's on. In fact, um, uh, when, she, when 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 they introduce Dr. McRae at um, chicken events, and she's coming to speak and educate folks on backyard poultry, when she walks on the stage, they play this. <laughs> okay, Andy. <laughs> Enough, man. <laughs> it's a bit much. Okay, we got we got to get out of here. Hey, uh, Cherie, thank you very much for joining us. Uh, it's it's been a pleasure. And then uh, Lisa, the same. Thanks for joining us, Lisa. Thanks for uh, doing your reviews in the magazine. And of course, as always, Dr. McRae, thanks for joining us. And we'll see you uh, back here in a couple of weeks. <laughs> okay. Bye. <laughs> Bye. Thank you. Thanks for tuning in. We'd like to have fun here on Backyard Poultry with the Chicken Whisperer, but at the end of the day, it's all about fact-based science-based study-based information. You know that because you read our books, you subscribe to our magazine, you listen to the radio show, and uh, know it worked for you or it'll work for me type of scenario here. So thanks for tuning in, and we'll see you next time right here on Blog Talk Radio and Backyard Poultry with the Chicken Whisperer. God bless everybody. <laughs> Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.